Chapter forty seven A of The Golden Bough. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For further information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Golden Bough by Sir James Fraser. Chapter forty seven A Litierses. One Songs of the Corn Reapers. In the preceding pages, an attempt has been made to show that in the corn mother and harvest maiden of northern Europe we have the prototypes of Demeter and Persephone, but an essential feature is still wanting to complete the resemblance. A leading incident in the Greek myth is the death and resurrection of Persephone. It is this incident which, coupled with the nature of the goddess as a deity of vegetation, links the myth with the cults of Adonis, Attis, Osiris, and Dionysus. And it is in virtue of this incident that the myth finds a place in our discussion of the dying god. It remains, therefore, to see whether the conception of the annual death and resurrection of a god, which figures so prominently in these great Greek and Oriental worships, has not also its origin or its analogy in the rustic rites observed by reapers and vine-dressers amongst the corn-shocks and the vines. Our general ignorance of the popular superstitions and customs of the ancients has already been confessed, but the obscurity which thus hangs over the first beginnings of ancient religion is fortunately dissipated to some extent in the present case. The worships of Osiris, Adonis, and Attis had their respective seats, as we have seen, in Egypt, Syria, and Phrygia, and in each of these countries certain harvest and vintage customs are known to have been observed, the resemblance of which to each other and to the national rites struck the ancients themselves, and, compared with the harvest customs of modern peasants and barbarians, seems to throw some light on the origin of the rites in question. It has been already mentioned, on the authority of Diodorus, that in ancient Egypt the reapers were wont to lament over the first chief cut, invoking Isis as the goddess to whom they owed the discovery of corn to the plaintive song or cry sung or uttered by egyptian reapers the greeks gave the name of maneros and explained the name by a story that maneros the only son of the first egyptian king invented agriculture and dying an untimely death was thus lamented by the people it appears however that the name maneros is due to a misunderstanding of the formula ma come to the house, which has been discovered in various Egyptian writings, for example, in the dirge of Isis, in the Book of the Dead. Hence we may suppose that the cry ma ne ra was chanted by the reapers over the cut corn as a dirge for the death of the corn spirit, Isis or Osiris, and a prayer for its return. As the cry was raised over the first ears reaped, it would seem that the corn spirit was believed by the Egyptians to be present in the first corn cut, and to die under the sickle. We have seen that in the Malay Peninsula and Java, the first ears of rice are taken to represent either the soul of the rice, or the rice bride and the rice bridegroom. 
In parts of Russia the first sheaf is treated much in the same way that the last sheaf is treated elsewhere. It is reaped by the mistress herself, taken home, and set in the place of honour near the holy pictures. Afterwards it is threshed separately, and some of its grain is mixed with the next year's seed-corn. In Aberdeenshire, while the last corn cut was generally used to make the Klyak sheaf, it was sometimes, though rarely, the first corn cut that was dressed up as a woman and carried home with ceremony. In Phoenicia and Western Asia, a plaintive song, like that chanted by the Egyptian corn-reapers, was sung at the vintage, and probably, to judge by analogy, also at harvest. This Phoenician song was called by the Greeks Linus, or Ailinus, and explained, like Maneros, as a lament for the death of a youth called Linus. According to one story, Linus was brought up by a shepherd, but torn to pieces by his dogs. But like Maneros, the name Linus, or Ailinus, appears to have originated in a verbal misunderstanding, and to be nothing more than the cry Ailanu, that is, woe to us, which the Phoenicians probably uttered in mourning for Adonis. At least Sappho seems to have regarded Adonis and Linus as equivalent. In Bithynia, a like mournful ditty called Bormus or Borimus was chanted by Mariandinian reapers. Bormus was said to have been a handsome youth, the son of King Upias, or of a wealthy and distinguished man. One summer day, watching the reapers at work in his fields, he went to fetch them a drink of water, and was never heard of more. So the reapers sought for him, calling him in plaintive strains, which they continued to chant at harvest ever afterwards. 2. Killing the Corn Spirit In Phrygia the corresponding song, sung by harvesters both at reaping and at threshing, was called Litierses. According to one story, Litierses was a bastard son of Midas, king of Phrygia, and dwelt at Kalainai. He used to reap the corn, and had an enormous appetite. When a stranger happened to enter the cornfield, or to pass by it, Litierses gave him plenty to eat and drink, then took him to the cornfield on the banks of the Meander, and compelled him to reap along with him. Lastly, it was his custom to wrap the stranger in a sheaf, cut off his head with a sickle, and carry away his body, swathed in the corn-stalks. But at last Hercules undertook to reap with him, cut off his head with the sickle, and threw his body into the river. As Hercules is reported to have slain Lityerses in the same way as Lityerses slew others, we may infer that Lityerses used to throw the bodies of his victims into the river. According to another version of the story, Lityerses, a son of Midas, was wont to challenge people to a reaping match with him, and if he vanquished them, he used to thrash them. But one day he met with a stronger reaper, who slew him. There are some grounds for supposing that in these stories of Lityerses we have the description of a Phrygian harvest custom, in accordance with which certain persons, especially strangers passing the harvest field, were regularly regarded as embodiments of the corn-spirit, and as such were seized by the reapers, wrapped in sheaves, and beheaded, their bodies, bound up in the corn-stalks, being afterwards thrown into water as a rain-charm. The grounds for this supposition are, first, 
the resemblance of the Litierses story to the harvest customs of European peasantry, and, second, the frequency of human sacrifices offered by savage races to promote the fertility of the fields. We will examine these grounds successively, beginning with the former. In comparing the story with the harvest customs of Europe, three points deserve special attention, namely, one, the reaping match and the binding of persons in the sheaves, two, the killing of the corn spirit or his representatives, three, the treatment of visitors to the harvest field or of strangers passing it. One, in regard to the first head, we have seen that in modern Europe the person who cuts or binds or threshes the last sheaf is often exposed to rough treatment at the hands of his fellow labourers. For example, he is bound up in the last sheaf, and, thus encased, is carried or carted about, beaten, drenched with water, thrown on a dunghill, and so forth. Or, if he is spared this horseplay, he is at least the subject of ridicule, or is thought to be destined to suffer misfortune in the course of the year. Hence, the harvesters are naturally reluctant to give the last cut at reaping, or the last stroke at threshing, or to bind the last sheaf, and towards the close of the work this reluctance produces an emulation among the labourers, each striving to finish his task as fast as possible, in order that he may escape the invidious distinction of being last. For example, in the Mittelmark district of Prussia, when the rye has been reaped, and the last sheaves are about to be tied up, the binders stand in two rows facing each other, every woman with her sheaf, and her straw rope before her. At a given signal they all tie up their sheaves, and the one who is the last to finish is ridiculed by the rest. Not only so, but her sheaf is made up into human shape, and called the old man, and she must carry it to the farmyard, where the harvesters dance in a circle round her and it. Then they take the old man to the farmer, and deliver it to him with the words, We bring the old man to the master. He may keep him till he gets a new one. After that the old man is set up against a tree, where he remains for a long time, the butt of many jests. At Ashbach in Bavaria, when the reaping is nearly finished, the reapers say, now we will drive out the old man. Each of them sets himself to reap a patch of corn as fast as he can. He who cuts the last handful, or the last stalk, is greeted by the rest with an exulting cry. You have the old man! Sometimes a black mask is fastened on the reaper's face, and he is dressed in women's clothes. Or if the reaper is a woman, she is dressed in man's clothes. A dance follows. At the supper the old man gets twice as large a portion of the food as the others. The proceedings are similar at threshing. The person who gives the last stroke is said to have the old man. At the supper given to the threshers he has to eat out of the cream ladle and to drink a great deal. Moreover he is quizzed and teased in all sorts of ways till he frees himself from further annoyance by treating the others to brandy or beer. These examples illustrate the contests in reaping, threshing, and binding, which take place amongst the harvesters, from their unwillingness to suffer the ridicule and discomfort incurred by the one who happens to finish his work last. 
It will be remembered that the person who is last at reaping, binding or threshing is regarded as the representative of the corn spirit, and this idea is more fully expressed by binding him or her in corn stalks. The latter custom has been already illustrated, but a few more instances may be added. At Kloxin near Stettin, the harvesters call out to the woman who binds the last sheaf, You have the old man and must keep him. As late as the first half of the nineteenth century, the custom was to tie up the woman herself in peas straw, and bring her with music to the farmhouse, where the harvesters danced with her till the peas straw fell off. In other villages round Stettin, when the last harvest wagon is being loaded, there is a regular race amongst the women, each striving not to be last. For she who places the last chief on the wagon is called the old man, and is completely swathed in cornstalks. She is also decked with flowers, and flowers and a helmet of straw are placed on her head. In solemn procession she carries the harvest crown to the squire, over whose head she holds it, while she utters a string of good wishes. At the dance which follows, the old man has the right to choose his, or rather her, partner. It is an honour to dance with him. At Gommen, near Magdeburg, the reaper who cuts the last ears of corn is often wrapped up in cornstalks so completely that it is hard to see whether there is a man in the bundle or not. Thus wrapped up, he is taken by another stalwart reaper on his back, and carried round the field amidst the joyous cries of the harvesters. At Neuhausen, near Merseburg, the person who binds the last sheaf is wrapped in ears of oats and saluted as the oatman, whereupon the others dance round him. At Brie, Ile de France, the farmer himself is tied up in the first sheaf. At Dingelstedt, in the district of Erfurt, down to the first half of the nineteenth century, it was the custom to tie up a man in the last sheaf. He was called the old man, and was brought home on the last wagon, amid huzzas and music. On reaching the farmyard, he was rolled round the barn, and drenched with water. At Nerdlingen, in Bavaria, the man who gives the last stroke at threshing is wrapped in straw and rolled on the threshing-floor. In some parts of Oberpfalz, Bavaria, he is said to get the old man, is wrapped in straw, and carried to a neighbour who has not yet finished his threshing. In Silesia, the woman who binds the last sheaf has to submit to a good deal of horse-play. She is pushed, knocked down, and tied up in the sheaf, after which she is called the corn-puppet, corn popul. In all these cases the idea is that the spirit of the corn, the old man of vegetation, is driven out of the corn last cut or last threshed, and lives in the barn during the winter. At sowing time he goes out again to the fields to resume his activity as animating force among the sprouting corn. 2. Passing to the second point of comparison between the Litierses story and the European harvest customs, we have now to see that in the latter the corn spirit is often believed to be killed at reaping or threshing. In the Romsdal and other parts of Norway, when the haymaking is over, the people say that the old hayman has been killed. In some parts of Bavaria, the man who gives the last stroke at threshing is said to have killed the corn man, the oats man, or the wheat man, according to the crop. In the canton of Tillot in Lorraine, 
at threshing the last corn, the men keep time with their flails, calling out as they thresh, We are killing the old woman! We are killing the old woman! If there is an old woman in the house, she is warned to save herself, or she will be struck dead. Near Ragnit, in Lithuania, the last handful of corn is left standing by itself, with the words, The old woman, Boba, is sitting in there. Then a young reaper wets his scythe, and, with a strong sweep, cuts down the handful. It is now said of him that he has cut off the bobber's head, and he receives a gratuity from the farmer, and a jugful of water over his head from the farmer's wife. According to another account, every Lithuanian reaper makes haste to finish his task, for the old rye-woman lives in the last stalks, and whoever cuts the last stalks kills the old rye-woman, and by killing her he brings trouble on himself. In Vilkishkin, in the district of Tilsit, the man who cuts the last corn goes by the name of the killer of the rye-woman. In Lithuania, again, the corn-spirit is believed to be killed at threshing as well as at reaping. When only a single pile of corn remains to be threshed, all the threshers suddenly step back a few paces, as if at the word of command. Then they fall to work, plying their flails with the utmost rapidity and vehemence, till they come to the last bundle. Upon this they fling themselves with almost frantic fury, straining every nerve, and raining blows on it till the word HALT rings out sharply from the leader. The man whose flail is the last to fall, after the command to stop has been given, is immediately surrounded by all the rest, crying out that he has struck the old rye-woman dead. He has to expiate the deed by treating them to brandy, and, like the man who cuts the last corn, he is known as the killer of the old rye-woman. Sometimes in Lithuania the slain corn-spirit was represented by a puppet. Thus a female figure was made out of corn-stalks, dressed in clothes, and placed on the threshing-floor, under the heap of corn which was to be threshed last. Whoever thereafter gave the last stroke at threshing struck the old woman dead. We have already met with examples of burning the figure which represents the corn-spirit. In the east riding of Yorkshire, a custom called burning the old witch is observed on the last day of harvest. A small sheaf of corn is burnt on the field in a fire of stubble. Peas are parched at the fire, and eaten with a liberal allowance of ale. And the lads and lassies romp about the flames, and amuse themselves by blackening each other's faces. Sometimes again the corn spirit is represented by a man who lies down under the last corn. It is threshed upon his body, and the people say that the old man is being beaten to death. We saw that sometimes the farmer's wife is thrust, together with the last sheaf, under the threshing-machine, as if to thresh her, and that afterwards a pretense is made of winnowing her. At Volders, in the Tyrol, husks of corn are stuck behind the neck of the man who gives the last stroke at threshing, and he is throttled with a straw garland. If he is tall, it is believed that the corn will be tall next year. Then he is tied on a bundle and flung into the river. In Corinthia, the thresher who gave the last stroke and the person who untied the last sheaf on the threshing-floor are bound hand and foot with straw bands, and crowns of straw are placed on their heads. Then they are tied, 
face to face on a sledge, dragged through the village and flung into a brook. The custom of throwing the representative of the corn spirit into a stream, like that of drenching him with water, is, as usual, a rain charm. 3. Thus far the representatives of the corn spirit have generally been the man or woman who cuts, binds, or threshes the last corn. We now come to the cases in which the corn spirit is represented either by a stranger passing the harvest field, as in the Lityersis tale, or by a visitor entering it for the first time. All over Germany it is customary for the reapers or threshers to lay hold of passing strangers, and bind them with a rope made of corn-stalks, till they pay a forfeit. And when the farmer himself or one of his guests enters the field or the threshing-floor for the first time, he is treated in the same way. Sometimes the rope is only tied round his arm, or his feet, or his neck, but sometimes he is regularly swathed in corn. Thus at Solur in Norway, whoever enters the field, be he the master or a stranger, is tied up in a sheaf and must pay a ransom. In the neighbourhood of Surst, when the farmer visits the flax-pullers for the first time, he is completely enveloped in flax. Passers-by are also surrounded by the women, tied up in flax and compelled to stand brandy. At Nerdlingen, strangers are caught with straw ropes and tied up in a sheaf until they pay a forfeit. Among the Germans of Haselberg in West Bohemia, as soon as a farmer had given the last corn to be threshed on the threshing-floor, he was swathed in it and had to redeem himself by a present of cakes. In the canton of Putange in Normandy, a pretense of tying up the owner of the land in the last sheaf of wheat is still practised, or at least was still practised, some quarter of a century ago. The task falls to the women alone. They throw themselves on the proprietor, seize him by the arms, the legs and the body, throw him to the ground and stretch him on the last sheaf. Then a show is made of binding him, and the conditions to be observed at the harvest supper are dictated to him. When he has accepted them, he is released and allowed to get up. At Brie, Ile de France, when any one who does not belong to the farm passes by the harvest field, the reapers give chase. If they catch him, they bind him in a sheaf, and bite him, one after the other, on the forehead, crying, You shall carry the key of the field. To have the key is an expression used by harvesters elsewhere, in the sense of to cut, or bind, or thresh the last sheaf. Hence it is equivalent to the phrases, You have the old man, you are the old man, which are addressed to the cutter, binder, or thresher of the last sheaf. Therefore, when a stranger, as at Brie, is tied up in a sheaf and told that he will carry the key of the field, it is as much as to say that he is the old man, that is, an embodiment of the corn spirit. In hop-picking, if a well-dressed stranger passes the hop-yard, he is seized by the women, tumbled into the bin, covered with leaves, and not released till he has paid a fine. Thus, like the ancient Lityerses, modern European reapers have been wont to lay hold of a passing stranger and tie him up in a sheaf. It is not to be expected that they should complete the parallel by cutting off his head, but if they do not take such a strong step, their language and gestures are at least indicative of a desire to do so. 
For instance, in Mecklenburg, on the first day of reaping, if the master or mistress or a stranger enters the field, or merely passes by it, all the mowers face towards him, and sharpen their scythes, clashing their whetstones against them in unison, as if they were making ready to mow. Then the woman who leads the mowers steps up to him and ties a band round his left arm. He must ransom himself by payment of a forfeit. Near Ratzeburg, when the master or other person of mark enters the field or passes by it, all the harvesters stop work and march towards him in a body, the men with their scythes in front. On meeting him, they form up in line, men and women. The men stick the poles of their scythes in the ground, as they do in wetting them. Then they take off their caps and hang them on the scythes, while their leader stands forward and makes a speech. When he has done, they all wet their scythes in measured time very loudly, after which they put on their caps. Two of the women binders then come forward. One of them ties the master, or stranger, as the case may be, with corn ears or with a silken band. The other delivers a rhyming address. The following are specimens of the speeches made by the reaper on these occasions. In some parts of Pomerania, every passer-by is stopped, his way being barred with a corn-rope. The reapers form a circle round him and sharpen their scythes, while their leader says, The men are ready, the scythes are bent, the corn is great and small, the gentlemen must be mowed. Then the process of wetting the scythes is repeated. At Ramin, in the district of Stettin, the stranger, standing encircled by the reapers, is thus addressed. We'll stroke the gentleman with our naked sword, wherewith we shear meadows and fields. We shear princes and lords, labourers are often athirst. If the gentleman will stand beer and brandy, the joke will soon be over. But if our prayer he does not like, a sword has a right to strike. On the threshing-floor, strangers are also regarded as embodiments of the corn-spirit, and are treated accordingly. At Wiedingharde, in Schleswig, when a stranger comes to the threshing-floor, he is asked, Shall I teach you the flail-dance? If he says yes, they put the arms of the threshing-flail round his neck, as if he were a sheaf of corn, and press them together so tight that he is nearly choked. In some parishes of Wermland, Sweden, when a stranger enters the threshing-floor, where the threshers are at work, they say that they will teach him the threshing-song. Then they put a flail round his neck and a straw rope about his body. Also, as we have seen, if a stranger woman enters the threshing-floor, the threshers put a flail round her body and a wreath of corn-stalks round her neck and call out, See the corn-woman! See! That is how the corn-maiden looks. Thus, in these harvest customs of modern Europe, the person who cuts, binds, or threshes the last corn is treated as an embodiment of the corn-spirit by being wrapped up in sheaves, killed in mimicry by agricultural implements, and thrown into the water. These coincidences with the Lityerses story seem to prove that the latter is a genuine description of an old Phrygian harvest custom. But since in the modern parallels the killing of the personal representative of the corn-spirit is necessarily omitted, or at most enacted only in mimicry, 
it is desirable to show that in rude society human beings have been commonly killed as an agricultural ceremony to promote the fertility of the fields. The following examples will make this plain. End of chapter 47a